listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, mate? All is well, all is well. Excited for today's show. Yeah, me too. We've had uh, some really interesting guests who are kind of talking about some similar sort of things and some similar sort of industries, but they're all doing it very differently. And uh, of course, we're, we're talking a bit about the uh, the packaging industry, one of our favorite uh, uh, manufacturing verticals. It's a funny, it's a funny uh, thing. I think if you told people that are going to have no exposure to to it, like how much goes into packaging, they wouldn't believe you, kind of like. And no. Talking about the, to say that you can peel the layers of packaging would be a, a mild. Uh, For sure. And I mean, there's no question that this is a particularly interesting area of packaging that we're going to be talking about, too. It, it's not necessarily the norm of what we think about when we might think of flexible packaging or or different types of packaging like that. This is more on the machinery front. Indeed. But for our listeners, they were thinking, are these guys on about either packaging or sustainability again? The answer <laughs> to them is, is no to both of those things. We're taking this in a completely different direction, very applicable to folks who are not in the packaging space. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get on with it. Yeah, absolutely. So joining us today is Adam Frey. Adam is the Senior Director, Global Marketing at PackSize. Welcome to the Coolering, Adam. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Adam, it is awesome to have you on the show. Can you um, tell us a bit about PackSize and how you ended up there? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for for several years prior to my time at PackSize, I was really focused on marketing in the in the three D printing or additive manufacturing space, and uh, had a lot of fun with that. But uh, a little over a year ago, uh, PackSize had uh, had made a decision to really invest in building out a, a world class marketing organization and really focus on making it a strategic part of the business. And uh, the company named a new CMO last September, and this is somebody who I'd worked with in the past and had a lot of respect for. And he was tasked with building out a building out a marketing team and and reached out to me, and I was very excited to uh, to jump on board and, and take advantage of this opportunity. You know, PackSize is a pretty unique company. Um, you know, we were founded in 2002 and with a goal of delivering smart packaging for a healthy planet. So the founder of PackSize was really interested in how could he make a measurable impact. And he saw packaging as as that area, right, where you really can make a difference. So because we've, we've all had that experience, right, where you you order something and the box arrives on your doorstep and you open it up and the box is it's oversized. It's much too large for you know, for the product that's inside. And, uh, and PackSize has over 20 years, you know, de- developed a portfolio of solutions to address that problem and, and really create right-sized packaging on demand. And, you know, by moving to right-sized packaging, companies are able to, to get the benefit out of, out of, out of having right-sized boxes, right? So both economic advantages and environmental benefits. So, you know, there's obviously the cost savings on the material. There's the cost savings on labor when you implement that automation. Uh, shipping, right? You can fit 33% more boxes on a truck if those boxes are the right size uh, and reduce product damage. And so those, you know, all those economic benefits with on top of that, having the environmental benefit of reducing your waste, you've got lower CO2 emissions with fewer trucks on the road, right? And you're using a, you know, a, a sustainable material. So, 
when you see that, right, it's easy to see that opportunity, that opportunity for growth. And it, it really is a meaningful business to be a part of. So, uh, so yeah, so that was, that was how I, how I chose to make this leap. So you see Adam, I lied a little bit when I said we weren't going to talk about sustainability at all. And of course, like, boom, but, uh, but it's, it's uh, certainly a worthy part of our conversation. I think an amazing part of the Paxi story. It's, um, it, it, it's, it's really, really cool what, what you guys are up to. Can you, is just give our listeners a sense of the size of the business. Uh, I'm just kind of curious, like as we're we're, we're spinning up a, a full marketing team now, we're really doubling down. Well, that's at what stage of growth are we in? Like where are we at? Yeah, so the company's you know experienced year over year double digit growth for for several years now, and we're growing pretty rapidly as we continue to be adopted by many of the world's largest retailers. Right, and just earlier this year, we were excited to push out a. A release related to our to our work with with Walmart and their next gen fulfillment center. So we're probably all pretty familiar with them. Uh, and as you know, as you start to see that that rapid rate of adoption, the company has has been growing rapidly. For instance, a year ago when I started, we were right around 500 employees, and now we're kind of knocking at the door of about a thousand employees, right? And um, you know, so as we do that, right, we have to position the company to, to manage that growth, take care of the customer base that we have and, and continue to innovate and develop as well. That's really helpful context. I mean, obviously it's you know, super high growth and that, you know, I, I appreciate that. You're not just going to start qu- quoting revenue numbers at me, but you know, the, even just the employee scale, et cetera, helps us understand kind of where you're at. And, um, so I guess how many people are in the marketing team now? Oh, that's a good question. I'll have to think a little bit about that. So the marketing team is right around 15 people globally altogether at this time. All right. And uh, you, you emphasized globally. Do we have a, a couple of different pockets of where people are located? or? Yeah, yeah, we do. So our headquarters is in Salt Lake City. And so we have uh, a good portion of the team is, is based out uh, out in Salt Lake. So, but, you know, I manage global marketing and I'm doing that from, from my home in Charlotte, North Carolina. We have, uh, you know, we have a fair amount of remote employees uh, within uh, within the pack size team. So, and then we also have our our European headquarters, which is in Hereford, Germany. So we have a team based out in Germany as well. So, and then uh, we also have a marketing representative uh, that uh, that works from from Australia. So we're we're pretty well spread out, but uh, it works out pretty well. Hey, you're not messing around when you said global. This sounds like the kind of packaging that absolutely everybody in the world should be using for creating boxes and and other things like that for delivery. But yet we're still receiving, you know. Uh, a phone in the midst of a box that's got 18 cubic feet of space around it. Why isn't everybody using this? Yeah, Adam, you've been at it for about a year. We'd like to understand why everybody are not your customer yet. Like, please explain <laughs> yourself. It's yeah, it's a great question. So, in fact, when I interviewed with the company, I asked that very same question of every single person I interviewed. I said, you know, this seems very obvious. We've all experienced the pain. Uh, so same question you just asked. I asked, why isn't everybody doing this? And, you know, I got the identical response every single time, which is, you know, our, our biggest competitor is the status quo, right? People are just, you know, they are hesitant 
to make changes, right? People get very comfortable in their current processes. And although you can clearly point out some of the benefits, right? People are just, just hesitant to do, do that. So that's really what we're faced with trying to address as a marketing organization is how we do that, how we market against the status quo. I, I think when people talk about marketing against the status quo, you know, often it is through the lens of, you know, there's a, you know, maybe that shift requires a level of change management. There's maybe some equipment that needs to be changed out. There may be some downtime associated with it. Um, there may be some uncertainty about uh, how well it'll work. So then, you know, it comes that, is the juice worth the squeeze? Both of those, um, both of those comments kind of necessitate that somebody know that there's an option to begin with. But the, the other side of marketing against the status quo is whether or not even somebody's looking for what the alternative is. Do you guys find that? Or is there a pretty healthy appetite for the alternative? There's just It's on the change management that you have to market? Or is it really on that core awareness of even letting people know there is an option? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, right? So with with packaging, right? People are very familiar with putting products in boxes. They've been doing it for a long time, right? So so there is a there's a big market there. The concept of packaging is something that is you know, is widely discussed and we continue to build awareness for the concept of this right size on-demand packaging. So awareness is growing. I think for the first you know, 15 to 20 years of pack size, there was a lack of awareness, right? So everything was really growing through things like word of mouth. Um, and we certainly continue to, to work to build awareness for what it is that we do. Um, but on top of that, right, I think, with, especially as you mentioned with change management, one of the things that's really important is that we can lend credibility to what it is that we do. Right. I like to say as marketers, you know, we're paid to talk nice about what it is that we do. Right. So what we're really focused on is getting, you know, getting our customers to to really speak on our behalf as well, to lend credibility to the process and really, really indicate that it is worth making the effort to go through the change. And, you know, for our company, at least, right, we are really dedicated to being a partner in helping you know, move people through that process. So there's a lot of education that goes into how we work together to implement a solution that works for our customers to help them to help them through that change and to eliminate some of that disruption that they may be concerned about. What kind of time frame are we talking about as somebody, um, uh, you know, I'm just kind of trying to imagine the scale of nurturing around that onboarding process? Is it like a three-month thing, a one-month thing, a one-week thing? What does that look like when somebody makes a decision? Yeah, it's, a, it's typically a long process because if you, if you go into some of the, um, you know, these fulfillment centers, distribution centers that we work in, there's, it's a complex operation. There's a lot of moving parts to making that work. So it's really important that we put the thought and work in up front to make sure that we are implementing a process that, that does work for that, that customer. So specifically on the, on the larger, more, you know, automated processes, you know, you are in that 18 months to two years and beyond in many cases to, to go from full, you know, ideation through, through implementation. Now for some of the last, maybe a little more semi-automated solutions, we work for instance, a lot in uh, the furniture and cabinetry and building materials uh, market, 
where, you know, they need protective packaging and, and, you know, long skinny items and crazy shapes, right? Some of those, those less automated processes, those can be much quicker, but, uh, but these, these bigger automated solutions in the, in the larger fulfillment centers is a, it is a much longer process. Have we, I mean, we're at a, a scale of change management there. That's not just something about a salesperson saying, no, 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 we can do this. Like there's obviously a bigger, um, a messaging structure at play and uh, a level of infrastructure in the firm to, to kind of onboard somebody to, of, of that scale. Um, I guess I'm just curious, uh, is this been, in, uh, how involved is marketing and all of that? Yeah, marketing is, is very involved. So, and, and that's one of the things that, you know, it's really important that we work together uh, within the organization, right? Between kind of solution engineering, between sales, marketing, product management, uh, we are constantly interacting and collaborating as we work to identify potential new customers, as we work to work with our existing customers to implement solutions, and as we work beyond to, to support those customers and tell their story. So we tend to be very, uh, very involved. Uh, and we also are constantly you know, working with subject matter experts within our organization to develop content that is relevant, not only to generate awareness, but also to enable our sales organization to properly tell that story. So whether it be video content, whether it be, you know, presentations and technical information, or even things like animations to show the different processes uh, within fulfillment centers and where a pack size solution might fit in, right? If we just show a video on a machine, that's not going to be real relevant for, for a lot of the, the folks that our sales organization is working with. But if we can show how that machine is part of a broader solution uh, and how this will work and how we've worked with maybe the other tools that they have before, that becomes a much more relevant story. So we do try to be you know, very involved throughout the process to make sure that we're creating the right content you know, and, uh, and telling that story that's, that's going to help the organization grow and really help our customers succeed as well. Sounds like this is a remarkably customized marketing and sales solution that you're bringing to each potential account on an account by account basis. Is that how you're approaching it? Is it, are, are you, you know, are you, are you spending the majority of your time on kind of the, those kind of high, highly tiered accounts to, to customize the content you're creating, to customize the sales and onboarding process for them, and then running some other things that are a little bit more broad based over and above that or, or, is the account based side of things the you know where you really want to be? Yeah, it's a really good question. So uh, yes, we we certainly have really you know although I would say we run a bit of a hybrid marketing approach of tra of traditional and account based marketing, we are certainly making that shift to a more customized or personalized account based marketing approach to what it is that we do, right? Because. You're right. Everybody operates a little bit differently, right? So we want to make sure that we're telling the right message. And, you know, we've implemented a content strategy that identifies the personas within the buying units at these different organizations and really develops content that speaks to what it is they're trying to solve. Um, so whether it be trying to show the economic impact and talking about things like return on investment, whether to show kind of that automation, what's it, how does this operate on the floor and, and showing an operator how, how the solution can benefit them. 
we are very much taking that approach. As I mentioned earlier, we're still doing some of that brand awareness type campaign activity just to get the name out there and really establish ourselves as thought leaders. But on top of that, that account-based marketing approach has been very important in some of the successes we've had over, over my first year at the company. And I'm glad you brought up that first year bit because it's still early days. And it would seem to me, if you're just building out the organization, that there just must be a, it must be almost overwhelming in terms of the stuff that you haven't been able to get your, you know, turn your attention to yet or... Um, Barely figured out where the washrooms are. <laughs> right. Well, we feel like it would be a bit of whack-a-mole for sure when you imagine, you know, we're building out the organization a bit from, from scratch. But I'm curious, what has been the biggest benefit of that? Is there been, has there been any, at any point where you're like, the fact that we're new is helping here. The fact that we're just building this is helping. Yeah, sure. So luckily, as I said, I work from home, so I can find the washrooms. But beyond that, <laughs> so, but once I go to Salt Lake, then I have to ask for directions for sure. Uh, yeah, you're exactly right. So being being in our first year, right, when I first started, uh, the marketing organization was was very much, I would say, kind of a service function for the rest of rest of the company, specifically for sales. Right. And so we need a brochure. We need to develop a trade show booth. We, you know, whatever that may be. And the marketing team would go into action to, to create that and, and really serve the organization. And we've got a very talented team and they did a great job in doing that. Um, a year ago when PackSize made the investment to make marketing part of more of a strategic function within the organization, there was a lot of work that had to be done to do that. Uh, obviously you need to first establish kind of the foundation for tracking the results of that organization. So tying together your CRM system and your marketing automation platform and your social media platforms and your ABM tools and all of that to, to be able to measure your results and optimize from there. Um, you know, there's a lot of work that went into that and really also kind of earning the trust of the team as we all came together as a global team and you could see the shift in the way marketing functioned, uh, that takes time, right? And I had to earn credibility within my team and really prove that what we were doing was going to make that measurable impact. So there are benefits that you see as you start to see those results take place and start to see the, the fruits of your labor. Um, you know, we also were able to experiment a little bit. We did a lot of A-B testing over the, over the last year, and that won't stop for sure. But any new campaign that we would experiment with, we would do a couple different versions of that so that we could see and learn, you know, what was working. Um, and as we start to you know, develop those results, you start to see leads roll in. You start to see the qualification rate that comes with that. You're starting to learn some of those key metrics and really starting to make a measurable impact to the pipeline, which, you know, starts to build more momentum within the team. People get excited about that. We celebrate those results and, and you know, we feel like we're contributing to the, to the success of the sales organization. And, you know, so that, that makes the team feel good. So we, we do celebrate that. What's been the biggest surprise in this first year? Yeah, so that's a great question. One of the biggest surprises for me was, you know, things that we used to do when I was working in additive manufacturing. Um, they, you know, I in, in some cases I thought, well, that will probably translate well to to this market. And 
you know, there's some there's some results we got that, you know, with some of those key learnings that said, no, this is this is very different. Right. So in in additive manufacturing, it was very focused on kind of that design engineer. Right. And and the way they get data and information is different than the way that maybe a VP of, of operations or supply chain does, right? Maybe your chief sustainability officer, they're going to different places and they're interested in different content than maybe what, uh, you know, what I was used to, to creating. There are some, some strategies that translated very, very well to this organization. And there's, there's others that really didn't. And, you know, I, I kind of take the fail fast approach, learn from it, and then apply those learnings to future campaigns so that we get better as we move forward. And, uh, but there were, yeah, there were certain surprises that, um, yeah, that, that we had to learn from and have adapted to. Oh, come on, Adam. They're both just machines that create things, three-dimensional objects. How different can it be? Right. I know it's amazing, isn't it? And, uh, you know, and, and, and it's one of those, the, uh, you know, it's not so much the machine. You really have to think of it from your audience perspective, right? And, and it's who's the buyer, regardless of what the machine is. And so that, you know, that's something that uh, we've continued to learn and try to collect as much information as we can as we, as we continue to do this, because it is, it's, it's quite different. It's really hard to uh, separate these things, I, I, I think, but I'm going to try or see if there's if you're noticing any separation, because right? your product, the, the the benefits you offer are, are as you as you noted at the start of this, there's economic drivers to why you would use pack size. There are environmental drivers to why you use pack size, and I just I'm reminded of this um, article I saw from the Wall Street Journal on the weekend. It was kind of suggesting that. ESG um, uh, investing was the fad was over, uh, and some almost like people were yeah yeah nobody's going to invest in sustainability ever again anymore. Like, I don't think anybody believes that, but it's just, it just was interesting to see that article this weekend. It just let me to wonder when you're selling when pack size goes to market, do you are, are you finding that the conversations being driven from the um, uh, from the cost uh, savings or efficiency side, economic side, or the environmental side, I'm sure the answer is both. But do you notice any kind of a ba- any kind of one jockeying out over the other, or any kind of trend there that might be interesting? Yeah, it's a great question, and uh, sure, the yeah, the cheat answer would be both. Uh, what I would say to that, I'll, I'll give you two answers to that. First of all, it is a little bit customer dependent. So there's certainly um, companies out there that do put a, a much stronger weight on their sustainability story than others do. That's, that's just the truth that we've seen uh, as we talk to, to companies globally. Uh, at the same time, if a product, what we found is if a product really help somebody achieve their sustainability goals, but they can't make the economics of it work, it, in all likelihood, they will not in, invest in it, right? You need to be able to make the economics of it work and ultimately make the process viable for the, for the company. And then they will invest in it and they'll get the sustainability gains. But it does, I would say more often than not, it's led by the economic side. Um, with the understanding that there is the sustainability benefit, uh, but there is there are the occasions where where sustainability absolutely leads the charge. But it's but it's always part of the conversation. There's no doubt. We see more and more companies uh, that are bringing a heavier focus 
on ESG, on you know talking about sustainability and making it part of their message and wanting us to, to be a partner of theirs in, in doing that. One of the things that we see a lot with uh, both guests and, and clients of ours is that there are often two very different ways of talking about this. If you're talking about a new, you know, if, if you're looking to integrate pack size into an existing supply chain optimization rollout or something like that, where you're going into existing factories and perhaps replacing some, some machines with, with pack size machines versus a, a whole net new build that's kind of built around this kind of process. Are you finding that there's a, a different way of communicating to people who are, you know, kind of choosing to do this from the beginning versus retrofitting into an existing solution? It is different. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when we're going into an existing solution, it's really important that we understand that process, right? And how we can fit in and what other tools are they using? What robotics, what, you know, what ASRS are they using? All these different solutions that people are using. And we need to figure out how we can fit into that and and measure the benefits of that. Um, when we're going into somewhere that's brand new right now, it's an opportunity for us to maybe be an even even greater partner. And oftentimes we'll partner with other companies that are building out these these facilities to make everything work together. Because as I mentioned earlier, it is very complex. So having an understanding of of what we've done in other places does help us kind of develop that content and build the message for how we can fit into existing solutions. Um, whereas being, being able to really play, you know, part consultant when you're building out a brand new facility, it, it is a different approach. And, and we certainly see both, um, probably doing more fitting into existing facilities than brand new, but, uh, but there is a good mix there. I, um, I, look, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for the, uh, recording a podcast towards the end of the year. Cause I always want to get people to make some level of prediction for 2020. <laughs> Um, but I, I guess I'm curious as you look to the year ahead and your second year uh, with the organization, is there what, what's the biggest uh, kind of question mark or challenge that not that you think really needs to be cracked in the next year? Um, is there something that sits out there that there's a that you're you're not you're kind of curious about how it will impact the organization? You're not sure. Like, I'm just kind of curious where the doubts are. I'm trying to. Like this is like I'm trying to be a shrink or something now. <laughs> what are you afraid of? Oh, afraid of. That's a great question. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Ended on a positive. Yeah. I know. I'm afraid of how to answer this question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a great question. So, you know, certainly the outlook for the company is strong, right? That, you know, e-commerce continues to grow and, you know, people aren't going to stop shipping things anything, anytime soon. Sustainability is not going away. So, uh, so overall, the outlook is, is very strong. One of the things that I think is going to be the biggest challenges for us is this year we have really done a lot of nice work and we've built awareness. And in doing that, um, we've become, I would say, you know, popular for companies that would like to work with us right, and grow with us. And, and I think that's very important. And I know our company thinks that's important that we become even better at partnering with with other companies. And when you do that, right, there's, there's the cultural challenges, there's the business challenges, there's the growth challenges. 
Um, you know, how do we share information? How do we work together? And I think that is going to be one of the biggest challenges we're faced with over, over this year is how do we grow with partner organizations where we do make each other stronger? And, and specifically from a marketing perspective is what is the story that we want to tell? What, what sort of joint activities can we do? Um, you know, it is, a, you know, we're right now we're, you know, focused on how do we tell customer stories where we've worked together because of, as we said earlier, there's so many places where we've put solutions into existing facilities and maybe those partners were even already there. Right. And we want to, we want to talk about that and how we've worked together. So I expect that that, uh, that more collaborative approach is going to be a big growth driver for us moving forward, but how we figure that out and how we work together is going to be, you know, I think it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of work to do it right. Yeah, that's pretty interesting uh, challenge to be embarking on because you're right. It's kind of like the messy human stuff in some way, which is kind of fun. Yeah, you're exactly right. So, and uh, But it's exciting, right? So I'm very excited about it. It's good that people want to work with us. Better than the alternative. <laughs> yeah, trying to insert yourself where people aren't interested. Totally different dynamic. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. trying not to do that. <laughs> well, listen, Adam, this has been an absolutely fascinating conversation. It sounds like a really interesting um, opportunity and place to work for you. A very cool product. You know, this has got it checks a lot of boxes. Yeah, you know, my uh, I, I'm 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 willing to bet some good money on pack size. I think things are looking up. <laughs> uh, me too. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. All right, thank you so much, guys. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.